0: Everyone I know can remember having a good teacher. If you go to a grocery store and stop random people and ask them about it, they'll tell you who their favorite teacher was. It was a teacher named Miss Davis. Miss Cameron. I cannot remember her name. It was in
1: first grade. Miss Spoon in elementary school, it was Mrs. John.
2: Hey, Mr. Mack.
0: And why was he so good?
2: Yeah, he was a great storyteller. He was just a really nice guy and we all liked him. She just kind of gave everybody a
1: chance to try something different. She had a lot of energy and very creative about how things could go.
0: I went to a majority white school and she was a black teacher and she took out time for me that other teachers
3: didn't. She showed she cared. He was uh, not only funny, but he was one of my coaches for football. So it, it was, uh, he was a pretty good teacher.
0: Did you feel like you learned a lot in the class?
3: I did, uh, well I kept an A. Uh, pretty much every year.
0: A good teacher who really helps kids learn. That's what everybody wants, right? Parents, politicians. We've
3: got to improve the quality of our teachers. Most of our qualified teachers are underpaid, and many of our paid teachers are unqualified. I've asked Congress to invest in recruiting, training, and supporting high-quality teachers in high-poverty
0: areas. The single biggest ingredient is the quality of our teachers. Quality teachers. Qualified teachers. You just heard four presidents talking about them. Four presidents who thought we needed to do something to make sure there were more of them. But if you want to make sure every kid gets a high-quality teacher, you have to figure out who the high-quality teachers are. How do you measure it? From APM Reports, this is Educate. I'm Alex Baumhart. This season, we're talking about how the teacher workforce is changing. A lot of teachers are leaving after several years on the job, so more kids are getting teachers who are beginners, and more of those teachers are coming in without traditional education degrees. There are more ways than ever to become a teacher in most states. More programs, more fast tracks, more kinds of certification. The question is, are these changes good or bad when it comes to the quality of teachers? There's a lot of research that shows having a good teacher makes a huge difference in the outcomes of students. But it's much less clear what makes a teacher good. I've spent months talking to experts who study teacher quality. They look at whether experience matters, whether having an education degree matters, whether some kinds of teacher training are better than others. And the experts don't agree.
3: Well, that's been the study that people have been trying to do forever.
0: This is Stanford education economist Eric Hanashek. We don't have good
3: descriptions of why some teachers are better than others or how they got to that point.
0: Part of the problem is that people who study teacher quality don't necessarily even agree on what to measure. Hanischuk is well known for using something called value-added measures. It's important because it's used everywhere. Conceptually,
3: you can think of it as taking where students start in a classroom and comparing that to where they end up.
0: You do this mostly using standardized test scores to see what grade level a kid starts at during the beginning of the year and what grade level they're at by the end of the school year. The teachers fall into a quartile depending on whether their students improved a lot, improved a little, stayed the same, or got worse. If a teacher's students improved a lot, then that teacher falls into the top quartile. They're a high-value-added teacher. Hanasek first tried out value-added in the 90s. He took standardized test scores from students in Gary, Indiana, from the 70s. He matched the students from the tests with their classroom teachers and found that the best teachers in Gary had gotten the equivalent of a year and a half of learning out of the students in their classrooms. The students improved more than a full grade level. The worst teachers had gotten about a half a year of learning out of the students in their classrooms on average.
3: So that... Depending upon which classroom you were assigned to, you could end up a full-year difference in the learning that you got just because of the difference in effectiveness of teachers.
0: Hanishek's research suggests that having a high-quality teacher for several years can narrow the achievement gap for low-income students. But why were some teachers in his study getting better results than others? When Hanischek looked into the backgrounds of the high-value-added teachers and the low-value-added teachers, he couldn't find distinct patterns. Teachers with credentials and experience weren't necessarily adding more value. Teachers with less training weren't necessarily low-value-added or at the bottom of the quartile.
3: We don't see systematic differences in effectiveness by experience, by where they went to graduate school, by the amount of professional development they've received, and so forth. Um, So that we don't have any good, clear descriptions of what makes for an effective teacher.
0: Hanishek's conclusions have important policy implications, like if there's no correlation between how a teacher is prepared and whether that person becomes a good teacher— Maybe some of the requirements for teacher licensing and credentialing aren't necessary. Maybe they're barriers keeping out solid teacher candidates.
3: First, certification is really an attempt to put a floor on the quality of teachers so that we ensure that there are no real turkeys that are in the classroom and we ensure that everybody meets some minimal effectiveness level. It turns out that most certification across the states doesn't do that. It doesn't effectively weed out very poor teachers, but it does weed out people that potentially could be good teachers. And that's what the alternative certification is doing, is allowing other people who think that they might want to be a teacher, give them a chance to, in fact, try out being a teacher.
0: Other researchers have also concluded that going through a traditional teacher training program doesn't necessarily make a person a better teacher.
2: The difference in the average value added of uncertified versus traditionally certified or alternately certified teachers is quite small, surprisingly small.
0: This is another economist, Jonah Rakov of Columbia University. Rakov has used value-added measurements to look at teacher effectiveness. And he and his colleagues have even put a dollar figure on the amount of money students have to gain or lose depending on the value added of their teacher. They looked at several decades of student test score data for more than a million students in school districts across the country. They looked at the backgrounds of those students' families, of the teachers, and where the students ultimately ended up in their 20s. They found that the students who had higher value-added teachers were more likely to attend college, to attend selective colleges, and to earn more money in their 20s. They found this to be the case across demographic groups and socioeconomic groups.
2: Teacher value-added is important because it varies a lot across teachers. If all teachers were basically the same and there wasn't that much variation in quality, then we wouldn't really care. Like, we'd we'd be done. Um, So we first document that, no, no, teachers aren't just interchangeable. Some are much more effective than others on these measures. And so then we ask the question, okay, so does that variation in teacher value added correlate with the kinds of certification that you came in with? That's sort of the next logical step. You know, Teacher certification is a a significant process. To get certified, you have to study for at least one, maybe two years in a master's program, or have gone through a bachelor's program in education. You usually, have student teaching experience. And comparing those to the folks who are uncertified or teaching fellows or Teach for America folks who basically just had a short summer of training before they they started their program, we don't see large differences at you know at all across these across these populations.
0: But Rakov says what does matter is how long teachers have been doing the job.
2: We find here, it's been found in many other places, um, teaching experience matters. You know, Rookie teachers are just much less effective on average than teachers who've been practicing for four or five, six years.
4: So the bottom line is,
0: teacher experience matters. This is Helen Ladd. She's a retired professor of public policy and economics at Duke University and she spent much of her career studying teacher quality in North Carolina. She agrees with Rockoff that experience matters, but she also believes he and Hanischek are wrong about teacher credentials. She says the way teachers are trained does affect how well they do in the classroom. Ladd and her colleagues at Duke analyzed decades of teacher data and student data across North Carolina to see whether teacher credentials mattered.
4: When I talk about credentials, I'm talking about things like years of experience, whether the teacher has a license to teach, um, whether the license is in the area in which that teacher
0: is teaching. They had background data on teachers, students, and schools in North Carolina from the mid-90s to about 2015. They looked at value-added measures, how well students did on tests, and then looked at the teachers those students had. But when it came to looking at the backgrounds of those teachers, they looked at a cumulative set of certification measures, like the type of certification, whether the teacher had been national board certified. That's about the highest certification any teacher in the country can get. They looked at the scores teachers got on their certification exams, what kinds of schools the teachers graduated from if they went to a university. They also looked beyond test scores to see if the teachers had an impact on graduation rates and absentee rates.
4: We find in all cases that licensure matters. And the lateral entrants were weaker during the first couple of years that they were teaching than the teachers with official licenses.
0: Lateral entrants are teachers like Eric Hanasek described. People who have a degree in something and think they might be good at teaching and want to try it out people who didn't go through education programs and aren't certified to teach. Districts will hire them to start in the classroom while they work toward certification and getting their teacher's license.
4: But then eventually the lateral entrance, because they were getting training along the way, ended up, you know, after a few years, as effective as regular teachers. So that suggests that lateral entrance eventually gonna be good. Maybe we should have more teachers come in as lateral entrants. But it turns out that in our data, it looks like a lot of the lateral entrants don't stay. They come into the profession, teach for a couple of years, try to get the training they need. They're taking classes in the evening and whatever to, so that they can get their license. But then, in terms of our data, it looks like most of them leave.
0: High teacher departures, turnover, and churn are bad. This is something just about all the researchers agree on. And they agree the data suggests that teachers with less preparation are not as likely to stick around as teachers with more preparation.
1: So our review of the research indicates that teachers who enter with the least preparation leave at two to three times the rate of those who enter with the most preparation.
0: Desiree Carver-Thomas is a researcher and policy analyst at the Learning Policy Institute. She's looked at the effect of teacher churn on student learning.
1: So when schools hire underprepared teachers who are more likely to leave... Um, you know, it can become this revolving door of underprepared and inexperienced teachers, most often in schools serving more students of color and students from low-income families.
0: Half of all chronic teacher shortages take place in just one quarter of U.S. schools, often serving poorer families in urban and rural areas.
1: And that's disruptive to schools, and it puts our students at an academic disadvantage, especially those who are already facing barriers to educational success. Um, from poverty and and racism.
0: These schools are often at a disadvantage when it comes to hiring. Rather than finding trained or experienced candidates, they can be forced to hire someone uncertified or emergency certified or in the process of getting certified to fill vacancies. One in 10 teachers in high-poverty schools today are not fully certified, according to the Center for American Progress. And students of color are four times as likely to be assigned uncertified teachers as their white peers.
1: More than half of teachers who uh, come through alternative certification programs are in schools serving primarily students of color. And our analysis found that uh, alternatively certified teachers, they just have less experience.
0: And as we learned earlier, less preparation and less experience means higher turnover
1: teacher turnover does have a direct impact on student achievement, and research has shown that students in schools with high rates of teacher turnover perform worse academically.
0: Nationwide, looking at the 2013-14 school year, there were nearly twice as many first-year teachers in schools with majority students of color as there were in schools with no minorities, according to data from the Office for Civil Rights. Helen Ladd says that has borne out in North Carolina schools as well.
4: So there are huge costs of teacher turnover.
0: Huge. Ladd and her colleagues used data from North Carolina to look at turnover among middle school teachers in core subjects like math and English. They wanted to know what happened when schools lost teachers, brand new teachers and experienced teachers, and those teachers who've made it through the hardest first few years. Some schools lost a lot of first-year teachers and replaced them with other brand-new teachers, which wasn't great, but didn't necessarily reduce the overall quality of teachers in the school. But other schools were continually losing teachers a few years in, and then replacing them with brand-new first-year teachers. And if experience matters for teacher quality, then this was lowering the overall teacher quality in the schools year after year.
4: This is distressing to me to even talk about this. We, we've looked, because of the results are distressing, we've looked at what we end up referring to as the white advantage relative to Black or Hispanic students in terms of their access to high-quality teachers. And we look at the whole state of North Carolina, and the evidence is overwhelming that in most cases in the state, that white students are more likely to be exposed to high-quality teachers than are Black or Hispanic students.
3: So if we assign all of the new teachers to the schools where the demands are, in some sense, the largest, we end up with equity problems.
0: One change that might help is sending more experienced teachers to higher need schools. That's what education economist Eric Hanushek suggests. He's the value-added guy, and he says districts could send teachers with the highest value-added to the schools with the greatest needs. He says that would keep teachers at those schools longer and bring overall teacher quality up.
3: Good teachers can, in fact, have dramatic impacts in the what we traditionally call the worst schools. Dramatic impacts with the most disadvantaged kids.
0: Researchers disagree about the effect of pay, but researchers Desiree Carver-Thomas and Helen Ladd both say overall pay matters when it comes to stopping churn and keeping teachers. They say we shouldn't lower the bar to getting into teaching, but to raise up the profession, make it more lucrative, offer better preparation, better working conditions, and better pay. Jonah Rockoff says when New York City public schools raised teacher salaries in the early 2000s, a greater number of licensed and credentialed teachers applied for jobs. These are the teachers who are more likely to stick around beyond just a few years.
2: And then over time, New York City's need to hire alternatively certified teachers went down because they were paying what I would argue were much more competitive salaries.
5: Increasing teachers' salaries is expensive.
0: This is Richard Ingersoll. He's a professor of education and sociology at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education. We talked with him in the first episode of the series. He studies America's teaching force.
5: I'm not making an argument against it. I'm a former high school teacher that was paid very little, but it's expensive. It's a large occupation. It's a large teaching force. On the other hand, there's things that could be done that wouldn't cost nearly that amount of money.
0: He says that the least expensive, most effective way to bolster teacher quality and teacher retention to improve teachers' working conditions. I mean, they may not be easy
5: to do, like, for instance, having more collective decision-making where teachers have a voice. We have strong data that buildings in which teachers have more say, they not only have much better teacher retention, they have better student test scores. It's the professional model. Professionals are considered
0: experts, and they're given a lot of voice... Despite what all the researchers don't know or can't agree on about measuring teacher quality, we know that teachers play a vital role in what happens to students, and not just for one year or one grade, but for a kid's entire K-12 education. If everyone agrees that most teachers show the potential to get better in those first few years, and get better as the years go on, then Ingersoll says, the policy decisions around teacher shortages and teacher quality should focus on keeping teachers not just making more of them. Jonah Rakov from Columbia University says studies focusing on the value of teacher training and certification have sort of dwindled.
2: I see so that the teacher certification literature and economics was very active at some point, And then I think people just kind of moved away from it because we've decided that there wasn't much there.
0: But keeping teachers requires an investment. And there are always battles over how much money is spent on schools. After the 2008 economic recession, schools took some of the largest hits in state budgets. Some schools responded with layoffs and job cuts, making do without nurses, counselors, and classroom aides. Teacher salaries in some states stagnated and even declined with inflation. Ten years later, this decline in state funding largely led to the Red for Ed movement in eight states, where teachers demanded investments in their salaries and in their schools and classrooms. They walked out, they marched on state capitals, and rallied outside of public schools.
1: I mean, nobody went into education thinking they were going to get rich. But we thought we'd be able to pay our rent and buy our groceries.
0: The Red for Ed protests did lead to pay bumps in some states. But in the wake of coronavirus, while states try to recover to pre-pandemic budget levels, education spending could be stretched thin again. Some economists and researchers fear schools may face cuts in the year and the next few years ahead. Efforts to improve teacher quality and retention that cost money could take a backseat to bigger school funding issues. And once again, the students who are most likely to lose out on the highest quality teachers will be students from low-income families and students of color. On the next episode of Educate... The growth in teacher training pathways has led to huge growth in diversity among teachers. More Black and Hispanic teacher candidates come through alternative pathways than institutions of higher education today. And the catch is that
5: minority teachers have significantly higher departure, turnover, quit rates than do white, non-Hispanic teachers. And so in a sense, this increase in the numbers of minority teachers overall is, is all the more remarkable because it's in spite of the fact that there's these higher quit rates amongst minority teachers.
0: This episode of the Educate Podcast is the third of our four-part series on the teacher workforce in the United States. Let us know what you think, especially if you're a teacher or thinking of becoming one. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Educate Podcast, one word. You can also send an email to contact at apmreports.org. And please leave a review for other listeners. It really helps us get the word out. This episode was reported, produced, and brought to you by a team that includes me, Alex Baumhart, Chris Julin, Sabby Robinson, and Alondra Sierra. It was edited by Catherine Winter and fact-checked by Betsy Towner-Levine. Final mixing by Craig Thorson. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. Thanks for listening. This is APM.